I thank you, Jesus. I praise your great and holy and mighty name. Let the great love of God reach to this place and each person in it. Fill this house, O Lord, with thy glorious love. We give you thanks in Jesus' great name. Everybody said praise the Lord. If you have a Bible this morning, I would like to turn your attention to the book of Hebrews. The very last chapter of the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. Appreciate each and every one of you being here this morning. We want to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. Feel after his good presence. Hebrews, chapter 13. I'll begin with verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have, as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Everybody said praise the Lord. Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. All right, you may be seated. The Lord bless you. Simply, the Lord is my help. Lord is my help. He is my helper. I'm turning to the book of Psalms. It's a beautiful psalm. Psalm 118. And I would agree with you if you say they're all beautiful. Yes, they are. They are. But the Lord has a way of uh, bringing certain things to your attention. And when he does, it just it's just beautiful. Psalm 118. Psalm 118, and listen closely, I'm going to begin reading verse 5, I called upon the Lord in distress, you know the Bible said in Matthew 24, in teaching, Jesus was teaching and answering three questions, and he had told his disciples, his apostles, as they made mention, I believe it was Peter, James, John, and Andrew, as they made mention in their part of the world at that time, in in Jerusalem, in Israel, that um, how beautiful were the stones of the temple. And Jesus turned and said, not going to be one stone left upon another. So in other words, you don't really need to focus on the beauty of a physical building. You need to get your mind on the spiritual thing here, the spirit of the Lord. It's not, you know, Solomon built a beautiful temple, and that was still part of what Solomon had built, that foundation and everything that he had done, and how many times marauding armies came through and would destroy, and then they would rebuild and destroy, and they would rebuild, and, and uh, until there was uh, not a whole lot left of the original, but there was that which is still considered to be a part of the original temple that Solomon built. But not one stone, Jesus said, was going to be left upon another. And yet Solomon in his prayer, and he declared that he was so blessed to be able to build this for the Lord, and yet he confessed and said, the heavens of the heavens cannot contain thee. 
And of course, when the temple was dedicated, the Bible teaches that the glory of God descended in such a way that they could not minister for the glory and the power that filled that house. And so I say to you, it's not so much the outward house, but it's what's in the house. And it's what your Bible teaches, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Sometimes there's, certainly in our world, there's an awful lot of emphasis on the outward part here. And uh, yet the Bible is telling you that when we get baptized in Jesus' name, and we are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, that it is not, the emphasis is not on the outward, but the emphasis is the treasure that's on the inside, the Holy Ghost, the power of God. When He comes in and He remakes everything on the inside of your heart, and from there on the body, the temple, friend, I want you to know, He, he makes out of, inside of us, He makes out of us pure gold a transparent gold, a see-through gold. It doesn't have ulterior motives to it. Not saying one thing with the lips and another thing, uh, you know, with the heart. But that the Lord is arranging things in your life. He's the master interior designer. And He gets rid of all of the garbage and all the filth and all the sin and all of the hatred and the pride and the envy all the works of the flesh. He gets rid of all of that. And he redoes you, friend. He's the master interior designer. He sweeps it clean. Isn't that wonderful? And is it not written that Jesus made the statement, first clean the inside. First clean the inside. And then we're going to get to the outward. But if we get the inside good and clean, then the outward is going to come out just like it's supposed to be, like God would want it to be. He wants the gold on the inside. He doesn't want anything out on the outside that is going to draw people's attention and that they're going to remark about that or brag about that or be mesmerized by that. Nothing is competing with what He has done and is continuing to do on the inside here. And that's why as the disciples looked and marveled about the beauty of the stones and the colors that it gave off, that Jesus just completely downplayed it and said, I'm telling you, not one stone going to be left upon another. And man, man can build all of his uh, pride around things that are not going to stand. They're not going to be able to stand the test of what's coming upon this world, and even is already in this world. You know, the Bible spoke very clearly about the spirit of Antichrist. And then, and he went on to say, which is even now with us, but he spoke also of the Antichrist. Okay? So you want to get it straight in your mind, not only what we're dealing with presently, but that which is coming upon this world. Didn't the Scripture talk uh, with regards to the hour of temptation, which will come upon all the world? There are some very uneducated, scripturally uneducated people who would like you <clears throat> to believe that when troublous times come, that it's only going to be, you know, over in Israel or something like that. 
But I'm telling you, your Bible said there's an hour coming of temptation that's going to come upon the whole world. And Jesus, in doing his teaching, as he talked about the not one stone being left upon another, and as he taught and talked of other things, they begin to ask him, when? Well, that's a good word to start with, because I'll tell you what, I, I think of that myself quite often. When shall these things be? Meaning, the destruction of Jerusalem. They wanted to know when was that going to happen. And then they went on and they said, and, and uh, also, what about the signs that are going to be built around your coming? When's that going to be? And then they asked the third question of the end of the world, as we know it. This whole heaven and earth situation, when the heavens are going to roll together, Revelation said, uh, like a scroll, and the stars are going to be dislodged and they're going to fall. Do you know that the smallest star is way bigger than planet earth? And that the stars are going to fall, not star, but stars are going to fall from the heavens. Oh, friend, every island is going to be moved out of its place. Every mountain is going to be moved. You want to read and believe your Bible. And you want to begin to put the emphasis on the right things. Do I, am I a prophet of doom? Am I trying to uh, scare you? No. But if uh, a little bit of healthy respect could uh, come to the forefront of your thinking, uh, then that would be a good thing. If I could, with the church, reach and pull you out of the fire, that would be a good thing. And use a little respect, healthy dose of respect to pull you out of the fire. That would be a very good thing. Because people's lack of respect for what's taking place in our world, what's going on all around us, that their lack of regard and respect to the Word of God is going to cause many, many people to sleep the sleep of death. And they're going to continue on and uh, deeper and deeper into the wrong things of life, being led, being blinded in their mind and their mind's eye. And they'll continue to involve themselves and being like a bird hastening to a, a trap and a snare. And they just go right on into it. I want us to realize that in the midst of it all, you have help. I want you to know that as the individual who was inspired to write the book of Hebrews said, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. There are that you could say that with confidence in the face of an unbelieving world, a world that uh, puts down the scripture, a world that ridicules and makes fun and uses science falsely so-called to try to explain away the things that the scriptures teach us. And I'm telling you, you want to stand confident and say that the Lord is my helper. He will never leave me, neither will he ever forsake me. That he's going to be right there. His word is going to be there forever settled in heaven. And it's going to comfort me in my moment of trial and travail. The word of the Lord that has caused this whole planet to be able to be where it's at in the big picture of things, it's held there by the word of the Lord. 
by the power of his authority. The word stays in its, the, the earth stays in its orbit, and it's not yet dislodged. But there's a time coming when God will remove his authoritative word from the planet earth, and it will be dislodged. It will rock to and fro like a drunken person, staggering until it drops into a bottomless pit for all of eternity. You want to be on a new heaven and a new earth when that takes place. You want to be in that first resurrection. So you want the Lord to be your helper. You want the Lord to be your helper because you know what? The Lord can do what we cannot do. He can do what we cannot do. Where we run out, knowledge. Where we run out, strength. Where we run out of even money. Where we run out of so many things. The Lord takes over. And the Lord picks it up right there. And he doesn't let us fall. And I'm going to read to you from Psalm 118 and verse 13. It said, Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall. Now this is the psalmist saying about the enemy and that individual or individuals who were trying to cause him to fall. He said, Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall. But he said, But the Lord helped me. That's Psalm 118 and verse 13. The Lord helped me. The Lord did that. There's no other explanation. I have nothing else to look to, nothing else to tell you. It should be more than sufficient for me to say to you, the Lord helped me, that the Lord is my helper. When not one stone is left upon another, when everything is crumbling, when my, my immune system is crumbling, when my DNA has forsaken me, when everything looked like it's going wrong, the Lord said, I'm not going to leave you, and I'm not going to forsake you. And he's looking for you to boldly. That means with confidence that you're going to proclaim that the Lord is my helper. You're not just going to say it in the good time when the wind is to your back. And when your health is good and your eyesight and your, the lamp of your soul is shining brightly and you find that your natural force is not abated but it's strong, let me tell you, friend, it's everything's on the increase. It's easy to say then, the Lord is my helper. But what about when the enemy comes and thrusts you through that you might fall? When the enemy comes up in your face and tries to take you down, then you need to boldly say, Ah, the Lord is my helper. No matter how the wind blows and the storm rages, no matter how the enemy tries to thrust me through and that I might fall, he needs to hear you say, the Lord is my helper. One particular case, we were praying for an individual, and in prayer the devil rose up through that person. And uh, as we prayed and as we rebuked the devil, he was a very stubborn spirit, did not want to leave. And uh, he was definitely going against everything. And whatever teaching God puts us through, whatever testing God puts us through, you know, you, uh, you remember that the Lord is my helper. And God has ways of allowing you to go through things to remind you that you need his help. You need his help. 
How is it written in one place? For without me you can do nothing. And sometimes we have to be reminded. Even uh, the Apostle Paul, the Bible teaches, and it is, it is commonly believed among scholars that the, the, uh, it was the Apostle Paul when he wrote in the third person, shall we say, about he knew a man that was caught up into the third heaven. And in knowing this individual and explaining and describing, he went on to tell how that he himself had been given uh, a messenger of Satan to buffet him. And the reason was because of an abundance of revelations. God can, does put so much good in us and so much good in our lives that there are times when he has to temper that. He has to balance that. He has to help us from getting the big head. You know, can't get you in or out in the building except we jack up the roof. You know, so he, uh, he has to temper us. He has to balance us. And uh, no wonder the scripture made it crystal clear by way of an angel who was so big that one, land, one foot was on land and one foot was in the sea. And the Bible teaches that he uh, proclaimed that time shall be no more. And he also had the book. And John the Revelator was instructed to take that book. And the angel said, you eat it up, all of it. And he said, it's going to be not only sweet, but it's going to be bitter. There's going to be a balance that is provided for you. If some people come to the church and they think that everything should be a pat on the back, they think that everything should be a promotion, they think that everything should be, you know, on the going higher and taller and bigger and stronger, and yet they, they don't care much for that word that's in the Bible, rebuke, or reprove, or exhort. You know, they don't care much for those things that, that have a tendency to bring a little bit of a bitter taste to you, or in your belly, if you please. They don't care much for that, but we've got to have that balance, because the Lord knows how this flesh operates. He knows that we have a tendency that we are inclined to get the big head. That the enemy uses that weakness and frailty of the flesh of ours to get us to be out of balance and to uh, get all to feeling that we're all that. And after a while, we don't think that we need pastoring. We don't think that we need to closely stay with the flock and that we can let down here and we can let down there, and, and uh, we're strong enough after I had, besides, the Lord is my helper. And how that the Word of God can be twisted, how the Word of God can be taken out of context, and how that people can use it for their own perceived gain. But I'm telling you, the good Lord of heaven and earth, he sent an angel, a great big angel, and said, you're going to get both the bitter and you're going to get the sweet. There's going to be plenty of sweet. We don't have much to worry about that. But you need to worry about the fact that there'll be some bitter and you've got to stick around to take it. You've got to, you've got to realize that sometimes the medicine is a little bitter. <laughs> but it's just what our heavenly doctor ordered. It's what we have need of. And he wants us to make it. He wants you to make it. He doesn't want you to be lost. He doesn't want you to stray from the flock. He doesn't want you to head out in the wrong directions, going in wrong paths. He wants you to make it the full run here. You, you're in a race now, and it's a long-distance race, and you've got to uh, let patience operate in your life, and you've got to let patience have her 
perfect work or her complete work that you not be lacking. You don't want to be found wanting. Uh, wasn't it written in the Old Testament uh, about the, I believe it was the grandson or great-grandson of Nebuchadnezzar? And uh, whether he was the great or the great-great or the triple-great doesn't make any difference to me. But I know one thing, he was removed far enough away from the example that was brought through Nebuchadnezzar himself that this fellow didn't remember. He didn't identify. He didn't learn from that lesson. Maybe they, it got old in its telling and they ceased to tell it anymore. But how that Nebuchadnezzar had lost his mind and his, his senses and intelligence were taken from him. And he became a beast. His hair grew out. His fingernails grew out. And I promise you, old King Nebuchadnezzar wasn't asking, well, how long is long? He wasn't asking foolish and unlearned questions like that. Oh, no, because he didn't have sense enough to ask any questions at all. He was just out there in the field with the beasts, and he was gnawing on the grass. And everything about him, his way that he had known formerly was taken from him. And now he's just a wild animal with no intelligence whatsoever. He's low down with the beasts of the field for seven long years. Somehow grandson never did quite get the lesson from that because, you see, old Neb woke up one day by the grace of God and he said, now I know, now I know, now I know that you rule not only in the heavens but on earth. You see, before that he was saying, look what I did. I did this. I'm the one that did this. Lord said, really? We'll see about that. So he slapped old Nebuchadnezzar down for seven years. Sent him out there where he wouldn't even use the outhouse. He just used the out. <laughs> he lost all of his intelligence, all of his reason, all of his thinking faculties. And uh, he wasn't interested in the pedicure or the manicure all grew out. I think some people get a little too worried about all that stuff myself, but I, I don't think you need to let them become curlicues, you know, where you can't open a door. You know. What are we doing here? And uh, slipped that one in on you, didn't I? And uh, so old Neb, Neb woke up one day by the grace of God, and he, he, he coughed it up. He, he was only too ready to acknowledge that you are God. You did everything. And uh, I'm glad for whom the Lord uses. Let's not forget that. Because I love the law. Don't you love Genesis through Malachi? I love the Word of God. That's the law. I love the first five books, in particular the Torah. Oh, yes. But remember, God gave that. Sure he did. But he gave it by Moses. Don't you just love the grace of God? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? The riches of it? you love to read that? All the way from uh, Matthew to Revelation, the favor of God, the blessings of God, that he even acknowledged us, mindful of us. Wonderful! God did that by the man Jesus Christ. Or the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Amen. So God does use men, and he does use women. He surely does. It's in your Bible. 
say, I don't like nothing about no women doing anything. Well, then you don't like your Bible. As simple as that. You know, you know I don't know if my, uh, my, my uh, what's that thing called that they lop off all the time? My appendix. I still got mine, but, you know, I haven't known of people to have that taken off. And a lot of times, you know, they got happy. The surgeons got happy. They were making a lot of money on taking out appendix. And uh, because they said it was, it was, it didn't do anything. It didn't do anything. It ain't nothing. Hey, that thing don't have any skill. Let's get it out of here. So they'd lop it off, you know. Somebody finally woke up one day and got a revelation and said, hey, actually, that thing regulates a lot of your chemistry in your body. Oh, maybe we shouldn't be taking that out. But the money's so good. Yeah, well, it's easy to say that when it's not your appendix, you know. Well, anyway. I'm saying that there are, there are things that God sends through people. Holy men of old. I had a man tell me the other day at Man Up, we went to, from prayer here at 6 in the morning, we went down to breakfast and read the Bible, and uh, some old guy come in, and he looked, he resembled Nebuchadnezzar in a bad state, actually. And uh, he, he, uh, he, he started trying to, I actually invited him to church, and I guess I was still half asleep, I don't know. Probably should have just, I must have missed a signal, because he sure had a bad spirit. And uh, I don't know why I was wasting my time. And uh, so anyway, I, I did invite him to church and gave him a card. And, and uh, he actually began to argue the word of God with me. And um, he said that, uh, you know, it's just a book. It's just words. You know, and I said, well, no, that's not exactly right at all. He said, well, man printed it. And I said, well, yes, it's that, that's the printed word of God. And I said, but the word of the Lord. I said, holy men of old spake as they were moved, inspired by God. That's how we got it. You know, he didn't send it by ravens or sparrows or eagles, you know, but his spirit moved upon different men. And as his spirit moved upon them, they begin to write what God said to them. And hence we have the word of the Lord. And I started to tell you, my little old appendix, I don't know if my appendix is a he or a she. And I say that because, you know, you, if you get involved with Spanish at all, you know, uh, the truck, is it La Trucca or is it El Trucco? You know? And, and sometimes I get fooled because I'll think it's the feminine thing and they'll tell me, no, 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 that's, that's masculine. And um, I have read in the Bible about certain nations and they'll be referred to in the masculine. And then you turn around, there's some other nations, and they refer to them in the, in the feminine. They call them her and she. But, you know, you just got to pay attention, right? But, you know, whatever her gender is and whatever her name is, I'm just hoping the old gal's working. <laughs> what I'm trying to say to you is the Bible said that God's not looking at whether it's male or female, not whether it's bond or free. He's not looking at that. He's looking at the body of Christ, every part of it, and that he's fitted it, framed it together, and it works to do what he's ordained it to do. He's not worried right then about whether it's gender. You don't need to be worried about whether God's using the man or the woman. You don't need to worry about are you staying with the book or not? Is it chapter and verse or not? That's what you need to worry about. Now, as I said, God will balance. 
God will temper because he doesn't want you to get the big head. So therefore, ladies, there I quote you a couple of scriptures. <laughs> and if the man is present, then you let the man be the man. Okay? Let the man be the man. But if, you know, we have a Bible study and no man shows up, well, we're going to have church and we got no men, well, then God's going to use a woman. As simple as that. Okay? All right. So what the ladies are not to do and what will get you in big time trouble is if you usurp, that means if you try to take by force. Okay? All right. So once again, we will have balance. Everybody said amen. amen. All right. And if you don't understand that, well, come see me again, and I won't charge you anything extra to explain it to you. All right. But I want you to know that our good God, in bringing a balanced word of the Lord to us, that he's our helper. Because I don't know about you if you've ever found yourself losing your balance and somebody grabs you and straightens you back up or grabs you by your collar and whoop, you know, you almost went right over, what do they say, head over tea kettle or something. And they got you and they grabbed you and they straightened you up. Okay, so God very often does that for us, very often. And he does it, oh, believe it or not, he does it by the pastor. He will very often, the Word of God, if you come to church and you get settled comfy into your little seat there, and then all of a sudden the Holy Ghost starts speaking, and, and, and the pastor may have a visiting preacher come, and you'll wonder, what has the pastor been saying about me? Well, he hadn't been saying nothing about you, but the Holy Ghost knows everything about you, and he knows what you need, and he knows when you need it. And you need to recognize that. You need to have faith in that. Because unbelief will destroy you. Unbelief will cause you to have the holy God of heaven get very upset with you. He's looking for you to have faith when this book is preached. He's looking for you to sit up straight and pay attention and say whatever he's saying through the word of God, chapter and verse, that's what I want to do. And I'm going to tell you what, it's important that we be balanced. It's important that we show faith in the word of God. And you want your faith to grow and grow exceedingly, then you listen to the preaching of the word when it's subject matter, chapter and verse, and you're not got somebody that's just giving you what they think and just making it up as they go along. But they're showing you chapter and verse in subject matter, friend. You stay with that book. You stay with chapter and verse. And it'll be right. It will be right. It will be right. So listen, he said, I called upon the Lord in distress. And I brought that up because when Jesus got done telling and answering the questions, then he told them in one, in one particular thing. He said, it's going to get so rough on this planet Earth. He said that men's hearts are going to fail them for fear of looking upon the things which are coming upon this world. He said there will be distress among the nations. Distress. And the writer has the, the remedy for us here. Long before he gave us, he said, I called upon the Lord in distress. I'm in a, I'm in a moment of distress. We like the word stress. We're more in line and tune with that nowadays. Well, the point is, 
be it stress or be it distress or whatever synonymous term you want to use, he said, time to call upon the Lord right now. I need to, I need to look and turn to the one that is my helper. Yeah. And you know, lots of times people will claim to be right there, pat you on the back, but when you spent your last dollar, they don't know you. When you're down and you're not feeling so good, they don't know you. When everything isn't just going great and you can't do for them, then they don't know you. And that's when you better remember, the Lord is my helper. You can look to the church. You can look to the pastor. You can look to Jesus Christ himself. He's going to be there. And he's got your best interest at heart. You don't have to worry about an ulterior motive. It's your soul that's at stake, and it's your soul that we care for. Revelation went through a long grocery list of what was in Babylon and what all they were interested in. And but when it got to the bottom of the grocery list, he said, and the souls of men. And long ago we preached that that's the only thing on that grocery list that we're really interested in is the souls of men. You can have the gold, you can have the silver, you can have this and have that and all the other things that name it. And the whole, Bi the whole the Bible said that the whole world wondered after that when it was destroyed and, and what was going to happen and they made their money off of all of that. And Oh my goodness. And, but nobody cared nothing about the souls of men. Nobody cared about the lives of men except for the church. That's what's going to care about your soul. You hear me? They just love to take you and wrap you up, put you someplace, and take everything you got. But that's not the church, friend. The church has got a responsibility. They want to get your soul where it needs to go, and that's called heaven. I want to put you in the arms of Jesus Christ. I want your head on his bosom. I want everybody in hell to look up and want to be where you're at. Do you hear me? I want you to be in that right place. Amen and amen and amen. You better believe that there are people and spirits just as the law came by Moses. Through Moses came the, the law. And through holy men of old came the word of God. Well, through people that are not so holy. They got a spirit, but it ain't holy. And through them will come that which the writer said. They thrust at me sorely that I might fall. Trying to drag me down. I don't care anything about church. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Let's get involved with this. But they don't care anything about serving God, worshiping God. They'll do it. What did it say? Draw near with their lips, but their heart far from Him. You got to be big enough, no matter who it is, to recognize that when you see it. You better tell yourself in the midst of all of that, but the Lord is my help. The Lord is going to help me. He's going to help me to discern that. He's going to help me to, to have order and peace in my life. He's going to help me to have the priority right in my life. And I'm going to remember that He is first. He is first. He is numero uno. He is number one. Do you hear me? He's the beginning and He's the end. And if you don't make Him the beginning, don't look for Him to be your end, honey. Don't look for Him to be standing there catching you when you're coming down the chute here. He wants to be there. And I'm telling you, he, we as the church want to do our part to present you unto Him. 
Don't you know that Mary and Joseph brought that babe and handed him right in the hands of the church, the preacher, and he held that baby up and said, Lord, now I can depart in peace for mine eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. Oh, yeah. Come on. You want to see this right. You want to hold this up. You want to embrace this. You want to believe this and trust in him, and he will be and is your helper. Yes, he is. You won't always view the help as positive, though. You won't always view the help as sweet. And maybe you'll be right. Sometimes it won't be so sweet. Sometimes it'll be a bitter pill. Sometimes it will call upon you to, oh, dare I say that dreaded word, sacrifice. You might have to sacrifice. You just might be called upon the Lord to do that. I read uh, many times, but... Freshly again this morning, how that uh, the writer was inspired to say about taking that sacrifice to the altar, and then he said, and binding it to the horns of the altar. Just getting tied to that. That you're not going to break away from the sacrificial side of this. Even talked about the fruit of our lips being a sacrifice, our praise. That you, you shut the door on everything else. This is church time. This is worship time. This is man up time. I'm going to shut the door to everything else. And I'm going to present myself to sacrifice. But I want to go, no, I'm bound to the horns. Tie me to the horns of the altar of sacrifice. Don't let me break away and go into sleep. Don't let me break away and go into other thoughts and other places with my mind. Let me Put myself right here, right now, into this. Let me give myself to it. There's going to be and there is a call to sacrifice. The Bible teaches if you do something and, it's, and, and there's no sacrifice to it, what's the big deal? If you're if, if for doing good and doing well, you're getting the pat on the back. All right, so, so what? You did what you should do. But in the face of adversity, when everything in the name of public opinion and your family is around you and they're trying to thrust you through sorely and they're trying to drag you down, oh, friend, if you hang in there, then you can cry with the writer and say, but the Lord is my helper. In spite of what they say, in spite of what they do, and how they would distract me and pull me right and pull me left, in spite of all that, yet in spite of all that, the Lord is my helper. And God's going to help. Do you want his help? You've got to want it. You've got to cry out for it. He said, I, I, I cried, I called out, Lord, help me in my distress. Help me in my distress. One writer, uh, one prophet, it was recorded, it is recorded, that he, um, he was, found himself in a very lonely situation. And in praying to the Lord, having a conversation with the Lord, he said, uh, you know, you got to get comfortable enough with the Lord to, to say it. <laughs> you got to say it. You know, if it's your big toe that hurts, you need to say it. You know, if your tooth hurts, I was praying for somebody that had a, a serious tooth problem. And I don't know about you, but I try to pray about everything. And uh, I, I told the Lord, I said, I, I want you to give this person a, a touch here. I want you, you, you don't think it's serious, do you? You know, it's like some guy that went for a, uh, something about his tooth, and I was just told about this scene. She said, Phil read it, and she told me. And the, 
And the individual, when they went, there were two procedures that the health insurance offered, and uh, he couldn't afford both of them. And so he chose one of them. And the one he chose, unfortunately, left him short on getting the medicine that would take care of the infected tooth or the abscessed tooth. And so what do you think happened? The infection went to his brain, and at 27 years old, he's dead. And that just happened within the last week or two. Oh, yeah. Man. So, you know, we, we need to talk to the Lord about everything. And, uh, and I, asked, I asked the Lord, I said, you know, I, I really want you to, to do something here. And uh, so I, got a, I, I was on the phone uh, yesterday, and I inquired. And they said, oh, they're all better. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. And I'm not telling you never to go to the dentist. I would not tell you that. I would tell you that faith without works is dead. I'm talking to you about finding yourself in some difficult situations, though. And sometimes it's, it's not of our doing. You know, they went out on a boat that Jesus told them to get in. They were headed in the direction Jesus told them to go in and gave them the finalization. We are going to the other side, but in the midst... Just like around here, I don't know if you saw it yesterday, but man, I'm telling you, I kept going like a little kid in a candy store. I kept looking. I said, look at that. Look at that. And it was a, a cloud came down like a flying saucer. I mean, it was gray and dark and just dropping lower and lower. And I'm looking and looking and looking, trying to keep the car straight and looking back, looking back. And I'm saying, boy, I feel like we're running away from this. I think we better keep going the direction we're going. Well, you know, it can come up quickly and thunderously and ominously. And they are on a ship, on the, on the lake they're supposed to be on, on the ship they're supposed to be on, going in the direction they're supposed to be going, for the goal that they've been told that they're going to get to, and whoop, here comes a storm. Man, so bad that it rocked their boat literally. I don't know, you never get in any of those experiences, do you? Your boat never gets rocked, does it? You're just always so happy-go-lucky. Well, I, I, I'm for that, but I want you to learn to be, so to speak, I, I'd rather call it happy, so blessed, in your, in your difficult moments. In your, it's not a real challenge when the wind is to your back. It's not a real challenge when the, the sky is that beautiful color blue and the sun is shining brightly and the, the birds are talking and, the, and the, you know, there's no real breeze to speak of, just a very light, caressing breeze. That, that's not too difficult. You know, and, oh, the Lord is my helper. Isn't God good? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You know, we got that, we got that all down pat. <laughs> but then all of a sudden now, that old storm comes up, and we're like, we'll make it. He's still God. He's still God. Okay? You need to learn to talk to him a little bit. He said, I called. I cried unto him in my distress. In my distress. Oh, yeah. And you know what? When he got done saying that the Lord is my helper, he said in verse 14, the Lord is my strength and song. And has become my salvation. You gotta get, you gotta get to where you take possession of this thing. You don't want to just come and go from a service and do and just okay, you get to hear the, the preacher. That's wonderful. But that's it. That's the end of it. That's your zenith, and you're out the door, and we're right back to the same old lifestyle. That's not what this is teaching. That's not what this he said. First, let's get the inside of the cup cleaned up. 
let me send my interior decorating uh, angels in there and we're going to do a number on you. We're going to get rid of the gambling. We're going to get rid of the pride. We're going to get rid of all the junk that is promoted by this world through all the different kinds of mass media that they're sending your way. We're going to get your mind on what's important here. Forget the colorful stones. Forget the gold and the silver. Let's get our mind on the eternal God that said, I'm going to put the treasure on the inside. Woo! Come on, I'm going to give you something lasting, enduring. We have a more enduring substance, the book said. It's never going to wear out. And they came out of Egypt, and, you know, it's been said in, in fashion world that there are certain things that you can have in your closet that never go out of style, okay? And uh, you can get into some funky little thing, and it'll be there for three months out of the year, and then it's, and then it's passe, and it's all out of style, and, all, and you'll, you'll wear it a year later, and you'll look like an idiot, you know? And, and the fashion world don't care. They're going to always come up with something. But let me tell you something. Those things they called staples. Those things that will always be useful and good. You can take that out of the closet. You can put that on, you know, anytime, any day of the week or year. It's going to be just fine, okay? Now, if you got velvet, ladies, I'm going to tell you right now. You know, you have a very short window on velvet. Please don't come in velvet June and July and August, okay? Because you make me hot. I sweat. I, yeah. I'm like, and God bless you, and I love you, and come see us. We have a little place down there, and second blessing, and we'll find you something a little cooler. But, but I am telling you that when they came out of Egypt, man, their shoes, Jimmy Choo and all those other dudes, they would have loved to have God's style and whoever was the, the, the shoemaker for Jesus Christ because their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years, 40 years. God said, I'm going to put you in a style, and you're going to be stepping and strutting, honey. 40 years. These will go through the mud and the, and the sand, and, and the, even the sand fleas won't affect this. We're going to bring you through everything, and I'm telling you, you're going to go through some things in living for God. Somebody tells you it's always oh, a pat on the back. He's lying to you. Okay? There's going to be some difficult times. It's going to be challenging. The old devil's going to get right up in your face, and he's got some stank breath. He is going to do that. You better tell yourself that I, I want to be prepared. I want to be balanced. I want to be a part of the great work of God. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's give God a big hand. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we... Uh, Stand together, everybody. Let our fine young men are come in. Our young men that uh, believe the Bible. You know, when it said, when I was a child, that I put away childish things. Talked about becoming a man. Amen. We are, we are raising and producing young men here at the church. Young men. We're going to raise them. Be solid young men. And we're going to raise the young ladies to be solid young ladies. And they're going to do better than a lot of them before them. They're going to turn out a better product, product, a better plant. There's nothing wrong with that. Most mothers want their daughter to be better. Most fathers want their sons to be better. 
And uh, God has a great plan. I want you to be a part of it. Listen to what he said. The Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacle or the church house of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. His authority is exalted. Let me tell you, young people come to know that they need discipline. They need authority. They need guidelines. They'll fight against it, and they'll push you every which way, but deep down inside, they want it. They know that they need it. You know, the brain of a, of a teenager is still developing, and that's why if you ask them, why are you doing that? They go, I don't know, because it's all still developing. And, but they've got to come to a place where they hopefully in time wake up to realize that and listen to somebody who's telling them the right thing. And everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. So authority has its place in God's order of things. It does. I want you to believe that with me this morning. It's all part of the Lord being my helper. His authority coming right in there. That's what gets the devil out of my face, is that authoritative voice of the Lord. Amen. Amen. You don't come along and wrestle with the devil. Ain't nothing going to happen except you're going to get hurt. Okay? No, sir. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. Listen to what he said. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Declaring the works of the Lord is worth living for. Amen. And I want you to tell yourself that God wants me to live. And God wants me to be a light and a witness. He wants me to help others to find what's right here. Now you make sure you find it. Don't just come and leave out. But you make those steps. You tell yourself, I am going to repent of my sins. I'm going to come and I'm going to repent of my sins. And then I'm going to get baptized. Right there, in the name of Jesus Christ. We have a young man to get baptized this morning. And then I'm going to receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost. Such a deal. Let me tell you, you want this deal. You want what the Lord is offering. It's an oh-so-great salvation. Let's give him a big hand, shall we? Glory. Let's take this moment and lift our hearts with our hands, shall we? Father God, I love you and I praise you and I thank you. All of your goodness and your mercy towards us. And I'm so thankful that you are my helper, Lord. For without you, I can do absolutely nothing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my great and mighty King, that in the midst of adversity, when the enemy would thrust me through sorely, that I can say you are my helper. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship him, shall we? Holy, holy, Father, you are holy. 